0: Amen. Thank you, Steve. Um, Steve said when I arrived, I was traveling rather light. I had my Bible and this little piece of paper. But what I do know is when I open it, the words are going to be on the page. The battery's not going to go flat. (laughs) And Windows won't do an update. Yes, they're there. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So in uh, preparing for this preach... um, I've been pondering about this wonderful country that we live in. This is a beautiful country, and not only just its beauty, its physical beauty, and uh, its you beautiful people, the beautiful people in this country that really, really make it. And um, we are we are known as people that are overcomers. We white knucklers. You know what a white knuckler is? Is I'm going to get through this thing no matter what. I'm going to hold on. Just another week, maybe just another month, but we get through it. That's what we do. We, we like, we're fiercely independent. We, we're self-reliant. We're stubborn. And just for the record, none of those are really great traits. But <laughs> that's, that's who we are. And you ask a brother or, or a friend that um, may be going through a bit of a tough time or he's, he's down on his luck how things going, and the standard answer is, I'm doing fine. I'm okay. It's all going to be all right. Not a helpful answer and probably not a truthful one, but that's what we do. We've got some great sayings. One of my favorites is, you're well, no fun. What is that? I'd love you to try and explain that to an American or a British tourist sometime. You're well, no fun. And the crazy thing is, you all know what it means. <laughs> it means that even things are going well or they're not, it doesn't really matter. It's going to end up okay, so that's fun. That's really a quick summary. Another one of my firm favorites is, just now. I will see you just now. And we all know that that's an accurate measure of time for when you are supposed to arrive or when you're supposed to leave. But it doesn't really matter because the time that you do arrive is the right time that you are supposed to be there, so we see you when we see you. Come now. Isn't that hard to understand? So as we dig into this next phase of James, we could be mistaken that James was actually South African. Well, if he wasn't, he should have been, in my opinion. And the reason I say that, he uses one of our South Africanisms, which is probably not really ours, but um, we've adopted it well. It's the word come now. Like, come now. Why are you late? Come now, bro. What's happening? It's it's in the tone of our voice. So it isn't uniquely ours, but it definitely is a word that most South Africans use a lot. And um, when we use the word come now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to grab your attention. We're trying to say, now listen up. Um, and, and you know, when you want to expound on a bit of Scripture, the clever guys, like Zip and Steve, they'll go to the the Greek or maybe the Latin to really expound on the Word. Um, if you really want to go deep, you go to the Hebrew. But if you really want to get the understanding, then you go to the Afrikaans. <laughs> because then you know exactly what it means. There's no beating around the bush. And... Come come now in Afrikaans is "Kom no. When you say come no, you've got your attention. Everybody knows we actually yeah, I'm listening, or in, in the army if they're showing my age, and okay, have I got your attention? And that's exactly what James is trying to do here. He's gonna say, I want you guys to understand this little 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 stretch that we're gonna go into now. I want you to pay attention to. So we are in James, we're in chapter four, verse thirteen to seventeen. And I think it should come up on the screen behind me. Yes, it does. Um, The title to this preach is Boasting About Tomorrow or the Dangers of Arrogance. So come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. I've got three quick points. My first point is, is it God's plan or is it your plan? See, James is directing this at the merchants and the traders of that time and at a bunch of people. Who proclaim themselves to be overcomers, to be stubborn, to be self-reliant, to be white knucklers, to be fiercely independent. See, in fact, if you trade in anything, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a consultant, I'll go as far as to say even a teacher, you're trading in time. That's your commodity. You're getting paid for what you do. You've got the traders, you've got the salesmen, you've got the businessmen, you've got the entrepreneurs. It's all directed at you. And it's not only subject to the people in the church, it's also those outside of the church. You see, we all seem to know what's going on next week or next month or a year down the line. We kind of got it covered. We think we've got it all sorted, it's going to be fine. Maybe we're going to do some trading, buy some stocks at a low price and sell it at a high price. Maybe we're going to import something from China and sell it locally. Maybe sell an insurance policy or a life policy to somebody. We're going to make some money. We're going to make a profit. That's what we think we're going to do. None of us are actually sure if we're going to be alive tomorrow morning. That's the brutal truth. And James is saying to all of us, we need to take care. We need to be aware of this. See, there's nothing wrong with planning for our tomorrows. There's nothing wrong with planning for our retirement or for our futures. No, that's just wise and good stewardship. But all he's saying, well, it's good stewardship, and I just want to throw this in there, that, that adage that you say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. You know, that's very true. But his caution is here, is that life has an incredible way of surprising us when we least expect it. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And he goes on to warn us, who do we think we are, that we've got all our tomorrows mapped out? Are we placing ourselves on that proverbial pedestal by aligning ourselves with God? Because only He knows what tomorrow holds. So how arrogant must they have been to think that they knew it was going to happen a year down the line? He's saying, now hang on for a minute. Don't be so sure of yourself. Careful with the self-confidence that you're showing in chasing down these dreams, these goals, this profit, this wealth. Be very careful. It's always going to be a challenge to every single one of us, men and women from all walks of life. You see, as soon as we start tasting a bit of success or a bit of wealth sort coming our way, we might just start saying, hey, I must be doing something right here. I've got this. Just look at me. Another one of my favorite South Africanisms is when you want somebody to look at me, we get labeled as, well, you get labeled. If you're wanting somebody to look at you, you're going to get a label called Bugamina. You don't want to be a Bugamina. It's not a coveted title at all. <laughs> and my next favorite that I, I thought I debated with, I should throw this in, it's called Fig Jam. Do you know what you are if somebody calls you Fig Jam. It says, flip, I'm good. Just ask me. (laughs) Both titles you don't want to own, ever. But what you're saying to yourself is, I've arrived. I have made it. See, and James cautions all of us to acknowledge God as the ultimate source of any good that we may receive. And often what happens is, the more successful we become, the more we start to exclude God from our from our decisions, from our jobs, from our lives, from all of our plans. Point number two, who takes the credit? See, there's zero room, nothing, for us to boast in this manner. What it means is that we're boasting in the fact that we've accomplished all that we have without God's help. We haven't allowed Him into our plans. We haven't taken the time to say, Father, what is your will in this decision? How is this decision going to impact my eternity and all those around me? How is it going to impact your kingdom? Is this decision God honoring? Are lives going to be impacted for the better or for the worse? And are we representing you well? I love Janine's story this morning. Isn't that amazing? It's just a confirmation of what I was going to say. You know, you often sit there and think, flip, I wonder if I've got this right, eh?" And, uh, and in all honesty, Janine, thank you for sharing. It was very encouraging and, and um, God honoring and you representing God well. You see, if God is at the center of all that we do, he is the, the CEO of our businesses, of our companies, of all of our decisions. And it really doesn't matter if our, change, if our plans change unexpectedly. It doesn't matter. I mean, just think about the Twin Towers in uh, 9-11 when they were bombed. Hundreds of thousands of lives were changed in an instant. They were all going to work to go and trade and make money. The next day there was nothing left. Most of them perished. We're all familiar, obviously, with our, our COVID debacle over how many years. Millions of people were affected by that. We've had, uh, as Steve mentioned earlier on, we had the, the 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 flooding. I don't know which came first, the riots or the flooding. But either way, they weren't great times. And a lot of lives were impacted. Hundreds of thousands of lives were changed on those days. And even in today's situation, you know, you may be facing retrenchment. Your business might be closing down. The customers are not buying the products and the, the wares and the goods that you sell. They make, they, they, they're, giving, they're giving you that, uh, well, let's just wait and see what happens to this country before we make a decision. It's not helpful. But it, you could be going through that right now. But this is what He does promise. He promises us this, that we will see His goodness even if right now our circumstances tell a completely different story. That's why we say, not my will, Lord, but yours. Our text says it, if the Lord wills. What is your will for me, Lord? For your kingdom, in all of my decisions, in all of my plans, in all of my business transactions, will your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And Paul goes on to say, he says, I can't live without the will of God in my life. And there's a number of examples in that. I'm just going to pick three. Acts 18.21. And Paul says, I'll return to you if God wills. Acts 21.14. Let the will of the Lord be done. And then Romans 1.10. Always in my prayers asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Plays an incredible part in our lives. The key to this bit of scripture is their attitudes in these activities. Remember the title, Boasting in Your Tomorrows and the Dangers of Arrogance. James is addressing the people who are assuming their success is solely based on their abilities and not acknowledging God's will in their lives. This is what James is highlighting. And my third point. Who are you? So James is asking that question. Who are you? People such as you. How can you, being the kind of creatures that you are, presume to dictate the course of future events? It's a direct follow-on to James 4, verse 11 and 12 that we did a couple of weeks ago. Remember, if you were here, we spoke about um, uh, about, uh, don't judge, don't gossip. Um, don't look down on anybody. Uh, Don't slander anybody. If you take any one of those four into consideration when you're speaking to anybody, it means that you're looking down on them. You are placing yourself on a pedestal above the next man and and God is saying, don't do that. I do that, you don't do that. Don't judge. See, here we're presuming that we know what our futures are and we're presuming we know what they're going to look like, but we don't. Only God knows. So are we playing God? And he goes on to say, well, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're here today and, and gone tomorrow. And if you look at a couple of translations, that word mist can mean smoke or vapor. It doesn't really matter which option you choose. The reality of it is, is that human life is fragile and momentary. You here one minute and you are just gone the next. Illness, accidental death, Christ return." They'll cut short our lives very quickly. As quickly as the morning sun soaks up the mist or a change in the wind blows away that smoke. I'll repeat those three again. Illness, accidental death, and Christ's return. And the question that you've got to ask yourselves, and I've got to ask myself, am I ready for any one of those three? See, when we read through the Bible, this is not new to us at all. In Proverbs 27, it says, Don't boast about your tomorrows, for you do not know what, what a day may bring forth. And in Job 7 and Psalms 39, it describes your life as simply as a breath. In Luke 12, Jesus warns the crowds about covetousness and reminds them that a man's life doesn't consist on abundance and possessions. And he goes on to share that parable of a rich man. It's pretty, it's pretty similar to what James is referring to when, he, when he's talking about the merchants. They're gonna, they want to go and they want to go buy goods, come back and make a profit. The same parable, but he can't com- uh, conclude his plans because the very next day he's dead. Let's pick that up. Luke 12, 16, 20. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced, pl- produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, well, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns. And build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to you, and I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? How much of our lives, how much of our decisions Our goals do we allow God access into? And I firmly believe the more we allow Him access into, the more He's going to use us to advance His kingdom. To be a blessing to others, to a blessing to our employees, even our employers, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our customers. We all know the saying, more of you Lord and less of me. See, God does want to partner with us. He wants to partner with His people in seeing the lost saved, in seeing His kingdom come in seeing the power of darkness, overcome. And we do that. We partner with God from a place of humbleness. We come in low. We acknowledge that He is who He is, and that all that we have, all that we have accomplished, and all that we own, is because of who He is, despite who we are. See, whether whether you're saved or not, He still pours out our, His blessings. And don't shoot me down just yet. Think about the air that you breathe and the man standing next to you who's not saved. He breathes the very own, the very same air that we breathe. His heart beats in his chest just like ours purely through the grace of God. The rain falls on the unrighteous and the righteous. What we ought to be saying is if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that. Not my will Lord but yours. And my Fourth point, which I didn't include in the slides, Todd. (laughs) Apologies. So if you needed a fourth point, this is it. For everything in this world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what what he has and does, the boasting of what he has and does, does not come from the Father but from the world. It's the boasting that doesn't come from the Father. It is this pride of life, this arrogance, the sense of self-sufficiency so characteristic of the world that James condemns this in his passage and if he boasts about it and if you boast about it, it's simply evil. See, people don't only leave God out of their lives when they're planning, they brag about it. They're proud of their autonomy and their independence from the Lord. The world wants us to believe that we control the duration of our lives and the destiny and the direction of our lives. That we God's gift to planet Earth? We're not. But it is completely inconsistent with the Christian worldview in which there is a God who sovereignly directs the course of all human affairs. And then we enter our last stretch. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. And you may have heard the teachings on the sins of omission. And James is being specific here to this particular text, especially verse 15. He's reminding us to let God be part of our plans. He's telling us, guys, that's what you've got to do. God needs to be part of your planning. We've got no excuse. We know it. We know what we're supposed to do, but we just don't do it. And he's calling that out as sin. Not me, James is. Most of us, myself included, think of sin as things that we've done. Things that we've done wrong. But very seldom do we think about the things that we haven't done. If we think about a couple of the parables that Jesus shared with us in Luke 19, um, the the, um, the servant who, who failed to use the money that he was entrusted with, or the people who failed to care for the outcasts of society in Matthew 25, they are condemned what they, for what they failed to do not for what they did. Another teaching of Jesus reminds us very forcibly, and I was debating whether to even include this, but I'm going to because it's in the Scriptures, that the servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. So if you want an explanation for that, Zip and Steve will meet you afterwards. But if I was to summarize that in a very, very short way, I would say it is far better for you to be in God's will than not to be in His will. It will go much better for you being in His will than being out of His will. But we've got to think about these things, friends. We've got to acknowledge where we may have failed, or where we may have dropped the ball, where we may have not been obedient to His word, and we may not have done what He said we were supposed to have done. And the simplicity of that is we acknowledge it, We take it before the cross, to the foot of the cross. We repent. We say, Father, I need some help here. I don't know know how to get out of this, maybe, but I do need your help. We lay it before the cross, and we have got the confidence that we can walk forward and partner with the King of Kings. You see, friends, there's nothing more exciting than partnering with Jesus. There's nothing compared to it on this planet. But we neglect that fact. We chase after all these other things that we shouldn't be chasing after when we should be chasing after Him. See, one of my my greatest regrets. So 40 years ago, I am 13 years old, I went to a youth camp in Annaly. Can you believe? That's where I got saved. And, um, and the youth were going to the same camp in a couple of weeks' time. I had an incredible encounter with Jesus. And that's not what I regret at all. But you know what I do regret? I didn't allow him into my life. I didn't pursue my relationship with him. So he got mixed up in the wrong crowd, and I would never... Um, For the next 14 years, I don't think I I, I went to church meaningfully, going to church. I probably went to church because my mother said I should go. Bless her soul, she's here. But I never never had a relationship with Jesus. I didn't want to go to church. I wasted 14 years of my life. And that's what I do regret. See, if, if you were given the opportunity at that age or at any age, To walk hand in hand with the wisest of the wise, why wouldn't you take it? Imagine if I'd allowed him into into my life. Imagine if I'd allowed him to disciple me at that age. To guide me and teach me. Imagine if I'd sought his face. I had access to the creator of the universe. Someone who goes by the name of father, friend, prince of peace, counselor, just to name a few. See, that's what I regret. He invited me to walk with Him. He invited me to partner with Him. He invited me to be part of His kingdom as an heir and as a son. And I didn't take it. All I can say is don't waste another day if that is you. See, that that invitation is open to all of us every single day. It's a free gift. It's a gift that did come at a price. So don't waste it.